0: Welcome to an original series, the podcast celebrating our favorite TV shows behind the paywall. I'm Patch, one of your co-hosts, and with me celebrating the world of long-form storytelling my best friend and co-host for this
1: episode Aaron I'm a sheep farmer Patrick you should read the the name that my bad. I actually okay that's what if, you, I am if you're episode. a sheep farmer
0: then I'm an astronaut let's do that and then okay. you can... who's gonna be the singer uh, I'll have to be a singer too oh yes sure if we're gonna go that route <laughs> then I'll have to be a girl
1: this is not oh, I changed my mind I want to be the astronaut. <laughs>
0: yours
1: better. anyway thank you for letting me come back six times I yeah haven't well been i mean fired we got yet.
0: we got four more of these so i think you're i think you're in the clear you're past the 180 day probationary period so well we are in episode six entitled ken not ken like ken and barbie i made that joke last time but i'll make it again Talk about timely. (laughs) Yeah. As we're recording this, Barbie is releasing this weekend. So, you know, it's not evergreen, that comment is. So (laughs) whenever you hear this, it might be two years from now or whatever. But yeah, it's uh, coincidental that we're (laughs) reviewing an episode called Ken when Barbie's releasing on the same weekend. But yeah, it is um, probably, in my opinion, the episode that probably deviates the most or combines a lot of stuff that we're familiar with, not only from the first game, but the second one, and I got to tell you, when I watched this the first time, I had not played The Last of Us Part Two yet. And so it actually, I think, prompted me to start playing because there were a couple of things in here you'll bring up, I know, that you were like, hey, something cool happens, but I can't tell you about it because it kind of spoils The Last yes. of Us Part Two <laughs> in certain ways. So as we've said at the beginning of this conversation several episodes ago, while we're not spoiling the entire series. As we go, we're talking episode by episode. We are spoiling the heck out of both The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two because we refer back to video game references and things like that. So uh, if you've forgotten, or maybe you can call us out and say, no, you didn't, we apologize for not telling you. So this is your late spoiler warning, if we haven't, for The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two video games. That being said, let's get into it. All right, we start... Winter at a cabin after a quick reminder of Henry's suicide. That was a nice little jump in. Again, no cold open. So Aaron, I'm looking yeah. at you. They're over. We're done. I don't believe they're coming You're back. You're breaking up. He's breaking up we're, with The Last of Us because we're I'm, done.
1: I'm writing them off. Yeah, I've <laughs> lost hope.
0: <laughs> but this feels a little bit like a cold open because it's winter.
1: Oh, pretty good though.
0: Yeah. I I was going to say it feels like a cold open because of the fact that it starts so abruptly with the reminder of the suicide, but we jump three months later and we're opening up to this cabin where there's some game hanging outside. There's a guy bringing back some more meat. He comes in and he sees his wife rocking in a chair. And then we get that great reveal of Joel who has basically taken over the cabin (laughs) and, I absolutely love this whole set of dialogue, Aaron. This is something that's not, is not in the game. And what we have here is Joel and Ellie are trying to get information from this couple who one don't care. And two don't know, like they know very little, but of course, Joel is you know beaten down. He doesn't trust anybody and rightly so, but there's so much here that's just hilarious and, and entertaining. I, I can only call out one cause I don't want to just quote the whole thing, but Ellie says, What about the fireflies? We get those in the summer. Not the bugs, the people. There are firefly people? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, these are just people. These aren't. We're not really scared. It's like they're ready to die if they need to because life is just what it is. But I think it's because they've been holed up in this cabin and they're used to living the way they are with crazy people running around.
1: I love this so much. No, this has nothing to do with the game. It is hilarious for a way to open. It's the way that The Last of Us interjects humor and levity without making, without the characters being part of the joke, if that makes sense, right? The characters, it's not funny to any of the characters in reality, in the moment. But to us, the way that they're interacting is because Joel and Er Ellie are just the worst hostage takers you've ever seen in your entire life. Like, they clearly don't have their hearts in it. Ellie's like, come downstairs? And then she, I am going to quote the whole thing because it's hilarious. And then she like runs down the stairs like, who's this little psycho? And, and then, you know, he, he's they're just, the the couple is so amazing. Like you said, they feel like they don't fear death, but I think they just don't fear Joel and Ellie. I think they- That's true. Are old enough and wise enough to realize that clearly this is not a man who wants to hurt them because he, he asks his wife, he's like, you okay? <laughs> You know, did he hurt you? And she's like, No. And he's like, You made him soup. <laughs> yeah, it's cold out. And then <laughs> and then he he talks smack to Ellie. He's like, You got a map, why are you lost? You
0: must have missed all the street signs in the enormous fucking forest.
1: Holy. <laughs> and it's just it's hilarious. Like the whole thing is great, great banter. Got any advice on the best way west? Yeah, go east. Like he's just so stoic and content they're just content and i remember watching it the first time and feeling the same way that i felt this way better i wish this was longer like i wanted so and this is part of the last of us point is that good things are fleeting and you have to enjoy them and take them in when they come because that's what i want i wanted them to stay and hang out and just i wanted more days and dialogue between them and this couple but that's not the world they live in they have a purpose they need to get to a spot and it's funny because that kind of obviously comes back up the rest of this episode when they get where they're intermediately get where they're heading for a while about staying somewhere and having a longer moment of
0: peace yeah i thought about this as i was watching it the second time this feels like a makeup game from what we didn't get between Ellie and Bill. Like I feel like the couple represents Bill in some way where she's just kind of clapping back at them and they're clapping back at her. Like they don't really have any kind of fear, like you said. And I felt like we get that same kind of back and forth between her and them. So it sort of you know makes up for what we didn't get with her and Bill in previous episodes. As they leave, Joel has this attack of some kind. Like his heart starts kind of palpitating and then they're on their way across the river of death apparently or to the river of death it gets repeated several times it's campfire at night and i was just thinking to myself you know what survives an outbreak duct tape and joel uses it to fix his boot i love the fact that we get this this is awesome
1: it is awesome especially because tape is again we mentioned this like in the first episode when he gets some tools and i love that it's one of the tools that you use in the game to fix things is tape it's like you use tape and and generic spray, I think. I can't remember what they all are, but tape is definitely one of them. So it's cool to see him like using that in
0: a functional way. Right. And a nice, you know, small callback to the, uh, to the video game as well. This is where Ellie asks him uh, what his ideal state would be if the cure works. Like, what his ideal, like, what, what are you going to do? And he says, uh, a farm on a ranch with a sheep that do what they're told. <laughs> Love little dig at her. Uh, Ellie actually dreams of going to space and this is one of the first things I caught this time like oh yeah as we know in the last of us part two there is a section of the game that alludes to space and it's probably one of the most beautiful parts of that game and and that's not saying a lot because because the game itself is pretty brutal. (laughs) it's
1: arguably my favorite scene in that game that entire game and one of my favorite in both combined like it's just a phenomenal time when we get to learn about her love of sally ride and her desire to explore space and be an astronaut and this and it's one of the most tragic things she could want to do because there's literally no way like it's just not coming back in her lifetime period no matter what happens you could wipe the zombies off the face of the earth today start over and It's not going to happen by the time that she dies.
0: Right. She also confesses here that she tried to heal Sam with her blood. It's such a great small moment with Joel, the face he makes. And she's like, I know, I know it was royally stupid. It's a dad face. It's a, hey, you've got to be careful. And just kind of a reminder to us that more of that armor is being broken down and more of that dad is coming out and so it was a nice little nice little moment there
1: yeah i like that i also the fact that she tries his alcohol so she drinks from a flask and there's two two little details i love the way she kind of tips it to him she like tilts it as if she's doing a cheers it's awkward though it's awkward in the way that someone who believes this is what you're supposed to do, this little cheers motion, but like doesn't know how to do it and the other person isn't doing it. And it's so I, I thought that was cool. And then also she says, Black, still gross, which indicates that she's had this before. It's our first time knowing that. And that will come into play in a later episode where we kind of understand more about that. Again, this show is just so filled with phenomenal little details of foreshadowing for things that are gonna come that have happened in the past that haven't been revealed yet. And then I also love about this one scene is that, once again, Joel is very bad about staying awake on watch. He is <laughs> terrible. Yes. He falls asleep again and then has the audacity to scold her. And I love that she fights back. And she's like, no, like, I did all this stuff. Don't tell me to wake you up. Like, I took care of it. I'm capable too." And yeah. he, it's hard for him to have a comeback to this because he freaking fell asleep again.
0: Yeah. And all he can do is just hold out his hand to have her give him the gun. Now she's got two guns that she can potentially <laughs> holster there. <Right>? So <laughs> they leave their campsites uh, traversing along the apparent river of death to a bridge where they actually cross it. This was actually, I remember from the teaser before the series release, this is one of those shots where I was like, oh my gosh. And then along the way, Ellie is attempting to whistle something else that happens in the game. And she asks about dressing game, or undressing, as she calls it. I love that that little observation. She's like, I think it'd be better to call it undressing since you're, you know, taking the skin off, taking the stuff out. And Joel is sort of humored by it, but not really. It's just more of the, okay, yeah, this is just part of life now that we're that we're living. And then they come along a. Damn. And another video game reference we have the we have the dam that they cross. I wanted so bad, Aaron, for him to jump in the water and go get a uh, go get a pallet raft for her to traverse across. Unfortunately, we didn't get that, but that was okay. I, I like the I like its inclusion and I like its purpose in this episode.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's there to remind us that that's what happened in the game, and in, and we're not going to do it in real life, in the movie or the show, whatever. Because in the game where they end up in this next section of this episode does not happen until the last of us two. And instead we actually meet the people that they're trying to find at the dam. They actually talk about the settlement, but we don't go to the settlement. We just have an interaction at the dam. And so I'm glad that they were don't want bone, if you will, to yeah. us game lovers. <laughs>
0: yes. So from there, they're walking along and then they get ambushed by folks on horses and the first time I saw this there was a little piece of me that got kind of nervous because this dog starts smelling infected and we know what Joel knows he's getting nervous I'm getting nervous you're getting nervous fortunately he doesn't smell it but he does make a friend in Ellie and it's such a great moment of tension but what I think is really really cool is there's a line by the by the lead guy who says, you just bought yourself 10 more seconds. Like, what are you going to say at this point outside of, I'm looking for my brother, Tommy, (laughs) that would keep you alive? Like, I wonder how untrusting this group of people is without that ace in Joel's pocket of looking for Tommy. I just, I can't imagine what you could say apart from that, that would keep you alive.
1: Yeah. I wonder that too, but they're also not supposed to be killers and they're not hateful hurtful people in a sense that's not the way that they're portrayed to us so I think that they're just being more protective and I you know I think that there's a world in which they take them captive I have to believe that with Maria is there we don't know who she is at this point but I just I have a hard time believing Maria is going to be like yeah execute them right here in the middle of nowhere we don't know who they are there's a kid, but we don't care. Like that doesn't seem like a Maria thing to do. So I think they would be fine. But what I love about that, you just mentioned when the dog goes to sniff Ellie and Joel is, cannot turn around and watch. And the, the camera work, the way that we don't see what's happening ourselves, because we're put in Joe's POV essentially, but we're watching Joel's face as he's like terrified because he doesn't know what's going to happen. And then we it's like that holding your breath moment for five or six seconds until we just hear her essentially playing with the dog. And it's, it is, oh, it's just so well done and so, so tough. Because, I mean, we knew she, she was going to be fine. But if you're watching the show for the very first time and you don't know that that's coming, that moment would really, really test you.
0: Absolutely. And I look at this as a great way to... Story tell, because even if you hadn't known anything about the the show, the game, whatever, you're pretty sure, well, I'm saying that now, knowing that we've lost like three people that we were caring about. I don't think even as a first time watcher without knowledge of the game that I, I think that we would know that Ellie was going to survive. And so to be able to create that tension, even with that knowledge it's just really good camera work. It's great storytelling. It's good. Mu- it's all the things that go together to make a director's point in a moment like that. If you can keep the tension when your audience knows what's going to happen. It's like when you watch an action adventure movie, I just rewatched the Meg for the, uh, for the I guess, second time because the, at this point, the new movie is coming out in a few weeks. I know that Jason Statham lives, but I, There are points when I'm like, oh my gosh, he might die. And even though I know in my head, he doesn't, it's tension that's set up in the moment that I think is very effective. And that's what makes really great stories work is when you can suspend disbelief, even for a couple of moments to allow your emotions to connect with that moment. And I think this is one of those right there. Well, they're escorted to Jackson that makes a prominent uh, appearance more than just an appearance, in The Last of Us Part 2. It's actually part of the prologue. It also appears at the end of The Last of Us Part 1. But we know Jackson and all of its inner workings from The Last of Us Part 2. And I thought this set was really, really (laughs) accurate to the video game. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful set, complete with the big, large wall, all the different buildings. And then um, they're in the, I guess, the uh, lounge, kitchen, uh, dining hall, dining hall. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, they're looking for Tommy after Joel spots, Tommy in the street, they start sharing a meal and a bear hug. And I love Ellie's expression in this moment because it's like, she is both satisfied and sad at the same time. And I think it's because she's experiencing the desire to be reunited with someone Like, I think she wants Joel to have that moment. I think she likes it and and appreciates it. But I think she's also like, oh, man, am I ever going to see that again? Because from what we know, she's an orphan, so possibly not. But I felt for her in that moment. I thought it was a really nice thing to see that kind of nonverbal from her.
1: Yeah, man, I love this section At first, I was a little nervous because I was like, oh, crap, if we're going to Jackson in season one, are we going to not get season two? Because we didn't know for sure when this came out. But I think that this was a really strong change from the game, honestly. Because you have to take out some of these combat sequences, and the dam, as interesting as it was was a combat sequence that just was an intermediary to get them to Jackson, which we would not go to until game two. And we needed this. We needed to see that there like this really drives home hope that there is a place somewhere out there in the world where they could belong and they could both be happy together and separately, you know, and it was, it's beautiful. The fact that it's set at Christmas is perfect. All the little jokes and nods, the, the interesting, the sheep, the the Ellie calls out like they've got sheep, you know, for you. And the, the cameo essentially, as you, picked up on this time <laughs> as I was trying to tell you about the first time I was like don't you understand this person could mean so much in game two but we're just like getting a little snippet of this person uh Shimmer the horse I can't remember if that's the I think that's the name of the horse in game two not in game one it is and we get to meet Shimmer um I love that the thing working Joel says or uh, well, it's Tommy he makes a great joke when he's talking to Joel he says I'm working on raising some hogs too I mean, once we get bacon, what's left? <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, sorry, to your point, I think it is a very sweet moment at the table, and it just shows us that this is what Ellie would want. you know, the that's she's not completely gone yet. She's not given up on a regular life. She puts forth this exterior because she has to to get through this crazy world and this crazy journey that she's on but she really deeply just wants to be part of something like this. And over and over and over, she is so meaningful to Joel because she helps him bridge the gap with his antisocial and the, the walls that he's built. When, she, like, when she's the one that picks up on the fact that Tommy and Maria are married and she's like, oh crap, congratulations. And then she's like, say congratulations, Joel. You know, like she brings this part of him to a place that no one else was ever going to be able to do. Um, he was just gonna sink further and further into darkness until he died, you know, at this point. And I, and I yeah. love that this gives us that small glimpse of, like, this is what we want. It, uh, to me, it just shows me, and visually, like, this is what I want them to end up like. And up until now, it's amorphous. It's 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 surreal. It's like, it's not tangible it's just an idea like we want them to have a happy ending but we don't know what that could look like now it's right here in front
0: of us yeah that's that's such a great point and the fact that it's almost just out of reach because the mission is still there it creates a really great tension because of what happens later and what was actually something i'd forgotten about joel sees these two roads in his world he sees the i can stay and make a life for myself here and celebrate my brother and his new wife and apparently their new baby that's coming, or I can continue the mission and get this girl somewhere else to save the world. And, and this is honestly a little hint at, you know, some stuff that's going to be played out pretty severely later to not give anything away. I think that like you, what makes this episode strong is it takes the things that are the heart of the, of the game and it expands by pulling pieces from part one and part two that make sense. Jackson makes sense in part one because it's really a base of operations in part two. But I like that Jackson as a metaphor becomes the potential destination for Joel and maybe for Ellie. It's like they have to question, should we stay? Is this the way that we need to End this episode of our lives, or this this season of our life, and it plays itself out in such a a hard way. In that scene in the bar, where Tommy is telling Joel about his the life he's made here, um, one of the things that I picked up on in this conversation is when Tommy asks about Tess, Joel says she's fine. Like he doesn't have the stones to say, not that she's dead, but I probably in his haste, but like I got her killed as opposed to being honest with his brother. He also lies about who Ellie is. Doesn't talk about her immunity, get some information about the fireflies. And this is where we get that sequence after the dam in the game, where they go to that abandoned plantation town and all this stuff starts happening. So Joel asks Tommy, he says, I need you to take her. I can't. Now, The reasons why I think are different from the game from what I recall. In this, Joel confesses to Tommy that he can't do it. And Tommy says, look, I'm a dad. I've made a life here. I can't do that. The way that Joel reacts to Tommy telling him that he's going to be a dad is almost like this bitter pill that he has to swallow. And Tommy's line back to him is one of my favorites in this episode Just because life stopped for you doesn't mean it has to stop for me. And this is kind of a moment for Joel who says, okay, I'm not the only one. This is one of the first times that Joel is probably really thinking about the fact that the world is not mad at him alone. The world is not trying to come down on him. And it reminded me sort of as a spectator that man, how individualistic do we get as people? When we start thinking, man, the world is so unkind to me. It hates me. And I'm like, no, I mean, the, you know, the rain shines upon the saints and the sinners. It's, it's, it's the same world that we live in. It's just how we approach it. I think that he's frustrated because Tommy has, has kind of moved on. Tommy's kind of healed from the trauma of what happened 20 years ago. He confesses that after the fireflies, he was lost and, you know, his now wife found him and took him in and he started to make a life for himself here. And that's something that he really doesn't want to give up. And I absolutely agree with him here.
1: Yeah, I do too. Joel's that I wrote down. This is an a-hole moment, man. Like yeah. he's had several of them, but this is, this is bad. Like when he tells him, I feel like I'll be a good dad. And Joel just says, I guess we'll find out. I love that Tommy is one of the few people that will confront him on it immediately. Tommy says, Really? That's what you're going to say to me? Like, he calls him out on it, you know? And I think that Joel needs that. Joel needs someone in his life. That was Tess, which he just lied about, saying she was fine. Because she's not. He's not over it. He can't cope. He can't handle all this loss. The people that he does allow himself to care about. And he needs somebody like that. And obviously, Ellie's growing into a piece of a person like that as well. But for someone to say straight up, like, that's not okay, bro. Literally, bro. Uh, You cannot talk to me that way you need to get over your inability to be happy for someone else it doesn't even necessarily mean that you have to get over your own pain and your loss he doesn't tell him that he doesn't say that he's wrong for still hurting over Sarah he just says you got to be able to be happy for somebody else for me at the yeah. same time yeah and he's absolutely right and I think this episode, All these episodes and and these moments that Joel has gone through, he's oscillated where he'll have a time and he kind of like starts to let somebody in. and He has this good banner with Ellie and then he just can't quite get there and we see that struggle. And that's what makes long-form storytelling like this so much more effective at times than a movie can be because you get the ups and the downs of real life and how it's not just – 15 minutes down the road in the next scene it's over and over and over battling with this and sometimes you don't over get perfect but you get a little bit
0: better each time yeah great way to put that there's a quick scene after that where Ellie is uh getting a shower she's got new clothes and I think a diaphragm <laughs> I'm I guess I'm assuming it's because Maria is like, okay,
1: Joel doesn't know what he's doing. It's kinda like, <laughs> didn't Tess give her tampons? I can't remember Maybe. if that happened at one point. I think at one point she got tampons. But it's very similar or oh, no, she found him.
0: That's right. Oh, that's she found right. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. And yeah. Joel's like,
1: oh I don't know what to do with that you know. And I think <laughs> it, that's the reason. You know, it's like she realizes she's traveling with this old dude, like she's this girl that without a mom, like, here I'm gonna give you some information. And it's interesting the way Ellie reacts to it
0: plays also. with it. I mean, she's going to play with it. It's like, she pops it, it is, a little bit. Like, you know, yeah, I was,
1: it's really, <laughs> really awkward.
0: It's Juvenile <laughs> is what it is, but it's so appropriate for her because she just doesn't know. And then across the street, I guess at another house, uh, Ellie goes in and looks, around for Maria. So it's Maria's house and Tommy's. I was trying to figure out whose house is that? Um, Cause just walking into random houses, taking showers and others, like this is the shower house. This is the uh, haircut house. You know, is this the salon? It just, it seemed like that at first, but no, this is just another person's house. And then Maria comes in gives her a coat and a haircut. And this is where she talks about the memorial on the wall of Kevin and Sarah. Maria tells her about Joel's daughter Sarah, that it's a memorial to both her and, um, I think Maria's son as well. And there's a great expression from Ellie, another kind of a blank stare, similar to how she looks at Joel when he embraces Tommy. She's just looking forward. She just kind of, Oh, that, I think she says that explains a lot, or maybe we're thinking that, but, um, as Maria's cutting her hair, she offers her some advice. She says,
1: be careful who you put your faith in. The only people who can betray us are the ones we trust.
0: And this comes on the heels of Ellie really putting a little bit of a pushback on Maria because of you know the stuff that's you know frustrating Joel and things like that. And I really like that advice because Maria is really trying to navigate her toward, you know, being very cognizant of who she does. Spend time with and who she chooses to travel with. In this case, I think Maria's in support of Joel, obviously, but I think she's also warning her that you know Joel's become very close to you in a lot of ways, and so you know be mindful of that because you're going to get you know, you could get hurt in more ways than just you know physical. It could become emotional at that point.
1: I agree. I think it's it's all about the fact that Joel is selfish, and no matter what Joel tries to convey, he has made it clear still that he is treating her like cargo, even though there are those moments where we think that that's changing a little bit. Maria sees very clearly that if you get where you're going soon, and that's the thing, so you gotta remember, they think that they're like on the cusp, (laughs) which we kind of find out toward the end of this episode is not the case, but they think that they are just, it's just like the next thing, right? It's like right there. And so I think Maria is kind of making a point that this could all be over within a couple days and Joel's not there yet, obviously. And so, yes, you've got to be careful and set your expectations appropriately. Cause you may end up coming back here and being my daughter, you know, is basically, I think what she's, yeah. she's kind of getting at, yeah. like you may yeah. not have him.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a quick shot at, uh, to the movie theater. She says, we're going to the movies. Did I, I tried not to look this up. I tried to, base like what movie it was off of what i saw it's richard Dreyfus and I, all i could think of was close encounters of the third kind but i didn't that i couldn't be think very a whole, weird yeah i don't know why they would be watching that uh, maybe because you know everything that we're experiencing in this episode uh is important you know this means something this is important <laughs> but so then um the good I think there's like girl. A, co- a cobbler store i looked it store? up
1: what is it i looked it up it's the goodbye girl the From 1977. Girl. It's a okay. romantic comedy.
0: Okay. Appropriate for the last. It month. <laughs> says
1: the film features several plot lines and plot, or plot points, lines, and topics that all line up directly with the episode six. Gotcha. Now I gotta go watch it.
0: Yeah, of there course we go. you do. Yeah. Put it on the watch list. So we're at this like shoe store or cobbler place. I can't remember. And Joel's actually trying to get his shoes fixed. <laughs> Tommy walks in, brings him a pair of new boots. Yes, thank you. No more duct tape, at least for that pair. He apologizes. Tommy apologizes for saying what he did. And this leads Joel to confess to Tommy about Ellie's immunity. Now, this is part of the prologue in The Last of Us Part 2, except instead of getting new shoes, Joel is like restringing and polishing a guitar at the very beginning. I take that back. Something else happens in the prologue. My bad. Strike that, reverse it. But in any sense, there's this, it's, a, it's a really cool moment because they're both sort of getting very vulnerable with each other. And it creates an opportunity for Joel to be very, very like open about his limitations. He says, I'm not who I was. And it, it really scares him because there's a scene earlier where after he has that falling out with or the argument with Tommy, he goes out into the street and he appears to think he sees Sarah. That was a terrible sentence. He appears to think he sees. No, <laughs> he thinks he sees his dead daughter, Sarah, all grown up. And of course it's not her. The music cue here is great. It's part of the original soundtrack that we're very familiar with. It also calls back to episode one, the prologue section. It reminds him that he's weak in a lot of areas that he's got vulnerability. And he talks about the moment where he didn't know what he was supposed to do during the whole sequence with the dog. And he wants Tommy to take her because he isn't able to do it anymore. Tommy reluctantly agrees and it's at this point that in that whole like story sequence where Joel is talking, Ellie apparently overhears at least part of it. And uh, that leads us to the house where Joel confronts Ellie. So she's reading a diary, and that's very much a callback to the game. This is at that plantation scene that we alluded to earlier. She knows about Joel's plan, and she did not like it. I really like the dialogue here. I believe it's almost word for word from the video game. She says, I'm not her, you know. Maria told me about Sarah and- No. Don't say another word.
1: I'm sorry about your daughter, Joel. But I have lost people too.
0: You have no idea what loss is.
1: Everybody I have cared for has either died or left me.
0: Everybody fucking except for you! So don't tell me that I'd be safe with somebody else, because the truth is, I would just be more scared. And Joel, again, it's like <laughs> it's like Joel the a-hole part two. Like, he's already insulted Tommy, <laughs> and now he's insulting Ellie. He says, you're not my daughter, and I'm not your dad. Come dawn, we're going our separate ways. And I was like, dude dude, like, why are you so selfish? And it made me mad. And then we're left with that moment of him sitting down on the couch or the chair, flashing back to him and Sarah decorating a Christmas tree and just sort of, I don't know, just kind of sitting in that for a while before he turns the light off and really turns the light off on all of us at that point. Yeah, this whole section it's that anxiety he feels and, and
1: him finally expressing in words things that is so hard for him to do and him saying that he is afraid of failing Ellie and begging his brother to like finish the job for him, which is not at all what you would expect from Joel up until this point with that. We've been with him in the show for Ellie to hear that and then walk in the room and them to have that conversation right after he's been in this most vulnerable place. I mean, first of all, he's a jerk for even asking Tommy this, in my opinion. but I have empathy for him. I don't have sympathy, but I have empathy and I understand why it's a struggle. But then for her to hear this, it is just so heartbreaking. And the way that he talks to her, for him to say, you have no idea what loss is and that incredible comeback that she has, The way that she performs this, and it's very game accurate, even the dialogue, there's there's an F word that's placed in there that feels off, and it's intentionally that way because of, to kind of indicate, like, the just scattered nature of someone going through this emotional moment. She starts off kind of, like, calm. Like, it's a normal volume response, and then she starts screaming in the middle of it. It's It's like, she's, like, getting upset as she's talking. And man, it, it's a killer. You want so badly for Joel to embrace her in that moment. And all he says is, you're right, you're not my daughter. And I sure as hell ain't your dad. And I was just like, I actually paused this time, Patrick. And I thought to myself, for I was like, why do I love this guy again? Like, like there is, am I being a little like rose colored glasses on Joel overall? Because I have this knowledge, even, even considering where this story ends up. The dude didn't need to be this way. He's not perfect. I think it's important that people see this stuff in scenes like this to understand that this is a very flawed man. Like he is not your traditional hero, no matter what the end result may be. He did
0: things wrong multiple times. And this is one of those times. I think both the episode and the game are consistent in something that slightly frustrated me in that. We didn't get a lot of time to live with that moment because the very next scene is the very next day. Tommy is coming to get Ellie. who's packing up. They go to the stables and they find Joel who gives Ellie a choice to go with him or go with Tommy. And she has a quick choice. Yep. I'm going with you in the game. It's the same way. There's that powerful moment. And there's not a lot of, in my opinion, breathing room for us to sort of sit with that, at least that's how I recall it. Maybe there was some combat. I think there was some combat that sort of allows us to spread that out a little bit. With such a powerful set of dialogue between him and her, I wanted to sit in that for at least five or six more minutes. You know, let me, let me feel like Joel is actually leaving. Like he's not sticking around. I mean, but it wasn't bad. The final moment between Joel and Tommy is nice uh, when they say goodbye and Tommy says, there's a place for you here for both of you. And I think it's important that he says for both of you, because he's accepted Ellie as a part of the family, as a part of the community, the, the commune, the communist as, as Marie says, that was great. Yeah. That yeah was fantastic. It is communist. And that it's a commune <laughs> that looked at Joel is like, Oh yeah, that, that is kind of correct. <laughs> it's great. One thing
1: that I had a bit of a problem with, and I just want to not really necessarily show, but I wanted to bring this up overall. This is a, a thing that happens in TV and in movies that I want to get your take on. There is a dramatic tension and then there is realism. And in this moment, I personally felt that there was an unnecessary dramatic moment here when it wasn't how it would normally play out where, you know, usually I feel like the show is just flowing just fine. Everything, everybody's doing what they should be doing as characters. But I have a hard time believing that If Joel has already gotten to the point where he's going to go with her and I believe the way that their performances are that Tommy knows it like Tommy doesn't seem surprised at all in the barn when Joel's like, I'm going, why would you send Tommy dramatically to go get her out of her room and have her walk all the way to the barn thinking Tommy's going to get there just so you could be like. I'm in the barn now, surprise, you know? I just felt like it was a little overdone for me when I think in reality, if Joel had made the decision that he was going to go with her or give her the choice, as he said, he said, you know, I'll let you decide. I just don't know why he wouldn't just go to her room and be like, hey, it's time to go, by the way, I'll go with you. You, Do you want want me or you want Tommy? I don't know, it just felt like heightened
0: to me for just no reason. Is that because Tommy's, look was not one of surprise is that is that kind of where mostly it, where yeah it felt yeah. to me
1: very much like this was already like predetermined like so i the two of them
0: so i think that's in, i think that's definitely interpretation i don't think tommy knew that okay that joel was gonna do that because there's a look that tommy gives maria at the the movie theater at the end of that scene with joel that he says i'm gonna have to take her so apparently they've had the conversation if there's any kind of differentiation that kind of disconnects you. I think it's because Tommy didn't react as much as he should have where Tommy was probably more surprised. Maybe that would have sat a little bit better with you. I didn't pick that up. I didn't notice Tommy's nonchalance when it came to seeing Joel in the barn waiting for them. And I think at one point Joel said something about, yeah, I was supposed to leave like 20 minutes ago and I couldn't find my saddle or, or some, some kind of like obvious distraction that kept him there. So that's, that's kind of my take on it, but uh, I okay. mean, maybe, that, maybe well, that's what it is. Then means.
1: there we go. Yeah. Like you said, it's interpretation.
0: Well, they are on the way. And after they, they shoot a little bit, it's such, <laughs> I laughed out loud because Ellie kept saying your, your, your gun's broken. It's a, you know, the sight doesn't work. And he's like, watch this. And <laughs> he shoots it dead on. And the shot is so fantastic. Cause they're off. They're riding off into the sunrise or sun, not the sunset. And there's that close-up of the, of the thing that says a-hole and right in the, like the H or the O. It's where the bullet hits, like right in the middle. It's so fantastic. There's a great shot while they're, they're talking about football. They're talking about these, these great things that are just no longer part of their world. This one shot stood out to me where Ellie is really just, she's got her cheek on his back as they're riding the horse. And it's so intimate, but so quick that you can almost miss it. But it's just another great cinematography choice to say how connected they are without saying they're that connected. It really, really is great.
1: I love that scene as well. I love everything about them traveling and yeah, talking about politics and talking about his job and what he used to do and discussing and explaining football to her. Those are all things that happen in the dialogue of the game as well. And describing the mascot of the big horns, which is one of my favorite things in the game.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think what makes this different, Aaron is it's it's different than when they were trying to have conversation earlier in the game, you know, in or game in this, in the season when Tess was out trying to find a spot for them to, uh, to traverse through Ellie's trying to ask questions. He's like, pass pass enough about me. And now He's telling her about being a contractor and how you know important that was for, for the world, according to him. And it also reminded me of just when someone doesn't know something, they don't understand the concept of something, particularly a sport, how complicated it can be to explain. I remember a number of years ago, I was in South Africa on a mission trip, and I got a chance to attempt to explain baseball to people in South Africa who that's not the sport. They do rugby. It's rugby and cricket and things like that. So I realized just how stupid sports are to explain any sport, but I get it. I get his, the way that he's trying to explain it to her is so sweet, it's so just really precious because I think he wants to. I think he wants to share this part of a world that she'll never know. And it's neat because it's a a part of him that he gets to just give to her. And it's so different than when they first met and they're just trying to find out more about each other after five days, they make it to Eastern University. Go Big Horns. Five days? It was five days? It was five did days in the, in the in the show. And I said, Go Big Horns. I was hoping at one point he would say, Go Big Horns. But that did not happen.
1: It was close enough. And we got the other awesome part of this whole entrance to the university. So that made up for it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And what was we that awesome monkeys. part? Monkeys. We got monkeys. monkeys. Yes. Along the way, as there Going through the campus, which is yet another great uh, set piece in this in the show, he changes his mind about being a sheep farmer, and he decides he wants to be a singer. And he's <laughs> like, "Well, you got to audition for me, because you can't you can't choose to be a singer unless you unless you audition for me." That's a nice little callback to the game. And they spot those monkeys, as you said. First time seeing a monkey. First time seeing a monkey. Ah, uh, it's, it's that innocence that continues to spill over. And I'm just waiting, Aaron. I'm just waiting for what happens next to happen. This is probably, for me, memorable for me in the gameplay because of the fact that it's not at night. Like, most of the time when you talk about horror and you're sneaking through in that over-the-shoulder thing, like if you're in the tunnels or in the subway or something like that, it's broad daylight. And, like, it's still a lot of tension in the game. And I vividly remember this being the moment in the game where I was like, man, I'm scared even in the daytime. And that's how good this game is, is to keep that tension, even when the the darkness of night is not even upon me.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's exactly like the game leading up into this moment. And even though there's no combat like there is in the game, this is another big combat sequence. You do do a lot of exploring in the beginning first. And I like that we get some detailed things straight from the game, like the packing list. That is something that is recreated perfectly. Them stumbling onto a monkey in one of the rooms that they don't know what's gonna be in there and then, oh, thank goodness it's a monkey. The difference being that that tension is broken in the video game by people shooting at your character in the next psych room (laughs) when you go in and you think, oh, maybe it's another monkey, but it's not. But I think that they did a great job of adapting that section just like they have with the whole show. And um, you're right. It definitely captures
0: the tension leading up to this
1: big, extremely game-changing
0: moment. Yeah, all that stuff that they point out, we get that information that there were doctors here. The Fireflies obviously were there because of the the spray painted signs and stuff like that. But that they left. Like there was that packing list indicates, oh, then they were deliberately shipping out. And from there they're on the second floor and they spot Raiders. Uh, not from the Lost Ark, but just regular Raiders. <laughs> and then they... <laughs> sorry. Los Angeles? Los Angeles. Oakland? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what the uh, the ECU mascot should have been, is the Raiders. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Go Raiders. So they notice a map before all this happens, and there's a destination, Salt Lake City, where apparently all the Fireflies are going to, so that gives us kind of a new destination. As they try to escape, they're spotted and attacked. One guy comes after Joel. He breaks his neck, I think, but is stabbed in the process. I was wondering how this was going to happen. So in the game, Joel gets stabbed, and it's so visceral because it's from his point of view, and the camera keeps fading in and out. And you see Ellie attacking all these raiders, and she's trying to pull Joel and eventually blacks out to end like that whole sequence. This doesn't play out quite that way. They do escape, Uh, they get on the horse, Shimmer, I think it's Shimmer. Joel falls off the horse because he's losing a lot of blood, going almost unconscious. And this is where Ellie panics and says, I can't do this without you, Joel. The camera fades back and wow, that was like another one of those moments like with the dog where I was like, I know what's gonna happen next, But it catches me emotionally in that moment of like, is Joel going to survive? What's going to happen next? And and it's a great cliffhanger to end the episode. Yeah, it's something
1: (laughs) like it is. (laughs) If you don't know what's coming and you're watching this through with us for the first time, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you are dealing with this for a week. If you have no I mean, I know it's very unlikely that many people out there are in that position, but You could be, somebody's gonna have their first time at some point, and if you haven't played the game and you haven't watched the show before and you don't know how this is gonna play out, this is a heck of a way to end an episode and not know what's gonna happen and and how things are gonna progress. The moments in this episode highlight so well what makes this show such a great adaptation overall. You go from the things we've talked about and criticizing Joel and the way that he treats Tommy and the way that he talks to Ellie, then you get this ending where Ellie is just like, when you're at your weakest and you're at your most scared and vulnerable, like all the cards are on the table. Like I need you. I need you. Don't go, please don't go. Um, and it's
0: just, uh, you hope that that's the case <laughs> that he He's not going to go. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap up uh, this episode of an original series we have um, episode 7 coming up when I saw the title when this, re- <laughs> this dropped on Tuesday I think I was looking because they don't IMDB is great how they don't release the title of the episode until we get the preview for the next one and the two words that came up left behind had me really giddy because I was like, this this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And, uh, and I'll say this, that in my second playthrough, this episode, I put it in the appropriate spot of my playthrough. So I'll explain more about that next time. I did as well. Yeah. It just <laughs> makes it more and it, and it makes more chronological, sense. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Left Behind, that's the next episode. And uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you all for listening and joining the conversation. I'm Patch. He's Aaron. And we are out of here.